Welcome to $100 Plus Mileage. This is the podcast about New Hampshire bills that might not make the news, but still could impact you in all sorts of ways, from how you vote to what you can and can't do with your free time. Shout out to hobby distilling, an issue we've talked about before. We're here to highlight some of these bills in New Hampshire, unpack the pros and cons, and tell you how to make your voice heard. I'm Anna Brown, Director of Research and Analysis for Citizens Count. And I'm Mike Dunbar, Content Editor for Citizens Count. Anyone who's ever owned a cat knows they can be awfully moody creatures, uh, accepting a gentle pat one minute, thrashing their claws at you the next. And I know from our Zoom calls, you have a cat. What's been your experience on that? Okay, so my cat is actually weirdly passive. I have volunteered at a shelter. I've fostered many cats. She was a foster fail. And she's the only cat I take to the vet who does not fight back at all. No hissing, no clawing, no scratching. And they'll always bring her back to me going, she's the best. She's so sweet. We love her so much. And I just see the horror in her eyes. And I'm like, I want to be like, it's okay. You can hurt them. You can (laughs) just draw a little bit of blood. It's okay for you to set those boundaries. She needs to have like a primal scream therapy moment, right? Yeah. She needs to let it out. Yeah. I understand. Okay. Well then this bill may not be quite meant for a cat like her, but in general, sometimes uh, cats do scratch and some cat owners uh, take their cats to the vet to have their claws removed, but animal rights advocates deeply oppose this practice, right? Yes, that's right. And this year, the legislature is considering a bill to ban cat declawing outright. HB 1226 would make the surgery a misdemeanor. There would be an exception if the declawing was for a medical reason. Right. And I guess we should start by explaining exactly what cat declawing entails. It sort of sounds like a feline version of a mani-pedi or something. Yeah, no, no. Uh, It sounds straightforward. And I think that when it first came about, people didn't really understand exactly what it was. Veterinarians actually amputate the last bone on each of the cat's toes. And so a scalpel or guillotine clipper is used to perform the operation and the wounds are closed with stitches or glue. Or there's a new laser surgery technology that'll slice straight through this tissue. Yeah, okay. Definitely more surgical than the name suggests. I have heard many times it compared to if if this was an operation on a human, you'd be amputating the the first knuckle and through the fingernail on each finger. Bad mental image. Okay. Well, uh, there are other ways of performing the procedure though, right? Maybe a little less invasive or a little less- Well, uh... I I learned something when we were researching this bill. So it's called a tendinectomy. And so that involves severing the tendon that controls the claw that, you know, makes it go in and out. So the cats can't extend their claws to scratch. And cats that undergo tendinectomies do require more frequent nail trimming since they can't trim them by scratching. Huh, interesting. Okay. Well, I can already imagine where people might fall on either side of this from animal rights advocates to personal property rights advocates, but can you break down the pros and cons for us? Okay. So anyone who has owned a cat knows they instinctively keep their nails in check by scratching. And in a home, this can mean damaging furniture. My cat personally loves our furniture. <laughs> Fortunately, it's not very fancy furniture. So, but now she started to go after our box spring. So, you know, that's definitely a thing you have to deal with as a cat owner. And and there's also concerns about cats scratching people. We do know that some cats are feistier than others, and cat scratches can be dangerous. They can carry disease. Those those kitty claws are are far from sanitary. And so, some owners reach this point where they feel like 
declawing the cat is, is what they have to do to keep the cat. So if they have young children or older people, there's a narrative that I've heard that, okay, this is the only way to keep this aggressive cat and not give it up. Right, right. Yeah, that's, I I used to work at the uh, New Hampshire SBCA over the summers growing up, and I know there's so many cats up for adoption. That's like such a huge thing. So, um, you know, that that's an argument. Quick quick little plug here. If, if you're looking to bring an animal into your home, like many people did over COVID-19, consider an adult cat, not just a kitten. Sorry, I just had to, th- had right. to throw that out there. Right. Yeah, that's the thing. They have so many adult cats that were like cute little kittens. Yep. And then people were like, oh, it didn't stay yep. kitten and, forever. And also Crazy. the adult cat, like you, the, you'll have more of an idea like what the personality is and it won't be absolutely psychotic necessary well i mean i mean there's so still adult know, psycho cats which is kind of have, what we're talking about right <laughs> so you'll know if you have like anna's cat that's the sweet yes innocent yes that was the best yeah. part about fostering was i feel like it, in a really weird way i got to sort of sample the best of all the cats and think, like <laughs> this one is the perfect mix it's this like this one's just right just affectionate enough but not so affectionate that you don't feel special so. <laughs> all right so opponents say that cat declawing is cruel and unnecessary. It's a dramatic surgery that prevents the cat from using using its nails, which are part of its existence. So it can cause pain. It can lead to infection, tissue necrosis, lameness, and more. When I was volunteering at the Manchester Animal Shelter, I learned that also sometimes cats who are declawed can become biters instead because they don't have their cats, which is their first line of defense. So then they'll just start biting people instead, which is not great. So <laughs> great. <laughs> yeah, not an upgrade. So ultimately opponents argue it's much better to train your cat to use a scratching post, right? So mm-hmm. spray the cat with water if it's scratching where you don't want it to scratch. Get those little soft plastic cups that you can glue to cat's nails that which would be a little bit more like a mani pedi, I suppose. <laughs> and you can do that double side there's double-sided tape too as well that you can put on furniture and since it's like sticky and tacky on their paws, they don't like it. Huh. Okay. Well, uh, it sounds like there are definitely options. Well, let's dig into the bill itself. What does the bill say about all this? Yes, and and I feel like this also might be part of it because I feel like even though most people might agree, like, wow, that seems like a really violent surgery, the debate might be on, you know, all right, how are we legally banning this? What are the consequences? So as we said, HB 1226 prohibits declawing except when it's medically necessary. And so medical reasons might include recurring illness, infection, disease, injury, some other abnormal shape or condition with the claw that is messing with the cat's health. But the bill specifically forbids cosmetic reasons or just making the cat easier or more convenient to take care of. So violating the law would be a class B misdemeanor. So this isn't just, it's you know, sometimes the state will pass laws where it will ban something and there's just it's kind of just a, a nice way of saying we don't like it. You know, it, it's, it's, there's not really anything intense. So class B misdemeanor would be equivalent to a first offense DWI, computer fraud, and theft of property valued at more than 100, 500, but less than 1,000. So those are all also class B misdemeanors in that same category. Yeah, I feel like usually with these things, it becomes like an offense, like a speeding ticket level of a violation, you know? So right. the, this is definitely more... Then have uh, more is, teeth, which is like yeah, almost right. a pun, but not Ironic. quite. Yeah. <laughs> so, and this isn't the first time a cat decline ban has been floated in the legislature. In 2020, 
lawmakers considered HB 1387 to prohibit the procedure, and that bill was defeated in a 198 to 157 vote. Yep. So we'll we'll see if any minds are changed this time. If it doesn't right. go through, I think it'll come up again. But this is your moment. If you want to make your voice heard on this issue, you can attend the public hearing for HB 1226. It will take place January 25th at three o'clock in the legislative office building, room 301 to 303. And that's the building that's just behind the state house. If you can't make the hearing in person, you can also sign in online to show you support or oppose the bill. So go to gencourt, G-E-N-C-O-U-R-T dot state dot New Hampshire dot U-S. That's the state legislature's website. Scroll down to where it says House Remote Sign-In. Select January 25th on the calendar. That's the date of the hearing. Then the House Environment and Agriculture Committee, which is hearing the bill. Then you select the bill number, HB1226. And from there, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. You say who you are and if you support or oppose the bill. It's not a super easy process (laughs) because you have to know, you know, the day of the committee and all that. But it's a great way to stay involved without driving to Concord in the middle of the day and struggling to find parking, which is always the hardest part for me. (laughs) All right. It's time for our lovely closing segment, only in New Hampshire. What nugget of New Hampshire trivia do you have for us this week, Mike? All right. Well, I was thinking about cats and New Hampshire history to see if I could come up with some kind of tie-in. And uh, it wouldn't be the first time we've mentioned the Mount Washington Observatory during this segment, but there is a tradition of having a cat who lives at the summit with the scientists, which I think is adorable. Uh, The latest cat to take over the post came in last spring. It was a one-year-old a uh, short hair named Nimbus. Summit operations manager Rebecca Sholin said in an interview that any good observatory cat needs to be approachable, self-sufficient, and able to, quote, promote itself in front of folks <laughs> as the nonprofit's <laughs> official mascot. I like the idea of a cat promoting itself. Uh, um, absolutely. I mean, how, how, <laughs> yeah. do you, how do you test for that? It has to have a great social media presence, you know, those <laughs> kinds of things. Um, so Nimbus, whose name comes from the gray clouds that carry precipitation, I was more thinking Harry Potter, but that's just me, um, was chosen from four candidates at the Conway Area Humane Society in New Hampshire. According to Mount Washington Observatory, he came to the Conway shelter from Oklahoma, where Nimbus was living at an animal rescue shelter under the name Greg. <laughs> <laughs> so different than Nimbus. <laughs> Huge change there. Um the staff rescued uh, Nimbus from a, uh, a kill shelter. Mm. So uh, it's it's really great that this cat had a second chance at life up uh, on the summit of Mount Washington. So I feel like two things. I feel like either Greg was like, I have found my true self. <laughs> like it's almost like finding your stage name. Your yeah. name or alternatively, right. alternatively, Greg was like, what the heck? It is so cold here. What is wrong with yeah. it's It reminds me of like how like, you know, Bob Dylan was originally Robert Zimmerman. You know, it's like you go from this un- very unassuming life to uh, carrying out your true calling. Nimbus. As a, yeah. And there's there are so many funny pictures online of like this cat like up at the top, just like in a snowbank. Does Nimbus like, have his chilling. own social media? Should we should we be pumping his social media? I, that's so true. I know. I feel like this is a missed opportunity. We need to go back and uh, find out. We'll we'll put it in the show notes if Nimbus has uh, <laughs> a social media account. All right. That wraps up our episode for today. You can find more information and episodes at citizenscount.org. We'd also like to thank Franklin Pierce University for producing and the Granite State News Collaborative for hosting. 
Our theme music is composed by Mike Dunbar. Lastly, we thank you for giving us a listen and thinking about how you can be a part of what makes New Hampshire by the people, for the people. Thank you.